I'm creative business coach, Anastasia Williams, and you are listening to Making Magic, a podcast for fiber artists, makers, and creatives who are looking to craft a business with intention. Hey, welcome to the second installment of our community project series throughout the month of June. So this community project, as you may already know, is titled Gauging Your Value, and we have learning lessons from fiber business owners who are thriving despite their brain's best efforts. And this, of course, is a subject that is very near and dear to my heart, and I have been able to partner with 17 amazing fiber business owners who are willing to share their stories and experiences with us. Uh, regarding some of the mindset challenges they've either seen or dealt with themselves. And a few of them have offered to pop on and do a podcast episode with me as well. So today we're going to be talking with Francoise, aka Frenchie Denoy of Ottawa Knits. And she is a knitwear designer and a coach. And she's been doing this for 12 years. And of course, though you'll hear as she speaks, she does have a lot of balance in the way that she thinks, but it doesn't mean she's not susceptible to the same challenges that the rest of us are. And so for me, you know, when I first started discussing this with her and she was talking about, you know, oh, she was able to hit her goals and, you know, she hadn't really experienced any mindset challenges at first. And I thought, oh, well, what am I doing wrong? (laughs) And then then of course, like she runs into them at some point because we all do because we are all human. So while some of us may deal with certain aspects of mindset a little bit more than others, AKA those of us who've dealt with quite a bit of trauma um, or haven't had a lot of emotionally balanced uh, parental figures or authority figures in our lives, uh, that tends to affect us a little bit more. But again, the whole point of this series is not that we are overcoming mindset challenges, is that we instead are working with them. So those of us even who deal with this on a more regular basis, this is still something that is completely and utterly possible for you. Okay. So starting out, can you just Tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got to where you are now. Cause it feels like it's been, you've had a long time to kind of ebb and flow with things. So yeah, I want to hear the whole story. (laughs) Indeed. Okay. So now, so it's the year is 2022. So (laughs) I am, so I'm a knitwear designer, design coach, recently started a new career, I guess, in the recruiting hiring industry. I work as a recruiter and project manager, coordinator, all that fun stuff. Um, But that's definitely part of my journey and my ever going journey. Like it never stops. It always keeps going. But um, so I've been designing patterns and also been a knitwear design coach for about uh, eight years. I started up my business in 2014, 2015, while I was living in Japan. during that time when I was living over there, I didn't really have any access to any jobs or any work that I could do. And I just picked up knitting. So I thought, you know what? Knitting seems fun. Looks like I'll turn it into a business. <laughs> I had no idea how to really knit, didn't really know how to design, didn't even know how to really run a business. 
But what I did have was the, I had the tenacity. I had the audacity <laughs> <laughs> to be like, okay, I'm going to turn this into something. Um, and so that's pretty much what I did over the past eight years was taking this idea of like, I want to turn this into a sustainable business where I'm able to, you know, work from home, make my own hours and do something that I really enjoy doing and just seeing where that goes. Um, really, that's what I really focused on for the past um, eight years. I'd say it's especially, um, definitely during the pandemic, there was a moment, a couple of years where I was actually trying to figure out what the next steps where I really wanted to go from there was because up until like my five-year point, I pretty much accomplished everything that I'd set out to do when I first set that goal for myself in 2015. You know, um, like in 2018, 2019, um, my business had grown to a point where it was very sustainable. I was teaching workshops um, internationally. Um, my work was known by people all around the globe. So I was thinking, okay, what comes after this? Because even though I did, like I had set that goal for myself, I was like, I didn't really expect to hit it. And now once I had hit that goal, it's like, okay, well, what's the next thing that's been on my mind? And actually I'm still really trying to figure that out. What, like what the next steps are for my business. Um, and uh, I think part of that, that's really helping me get that revitalization into my work was actually accepting a job for working for another small business in a completely different industry. And that's actually really helped me so much in terms of like how to run a business, setting up the operations and the proper foundations for me to start expanding um, my, uh, my business um, to a, I guess to the next level. And I think for me, the next level for me is learning how to delegate properly instead of me Ooh. running the show, like really stepping into my, into the power as a CEO and learning how to delegate. And that's something that's just been, I've been learning a lot from my other job because I'm project manager, which is all about delegation. Of course, there's some things that I have to take on some tasks because the CEO is delegating tasks to me. But part of that is also me learning how to delegate to other people instead of processes and systems. And it's been just in, within the past three months, I've learned so much that like now that I'm going back into my business and really just taking a look at like, okay, let's get to work, which I'm super excited about just to get all these structures in place. I'm super excited. Ooh, okay. So do you feel like the the basics of your kind of like your belief system about your business and kind of like your why and your who, does that all stay the same? And really it's just yes. like we're looking, working on processes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The why and all that stuff from the beginning has always been the same for me. Um, my approach to network design has always been about transforming stories into stitches. And that's kind of also the same approach I teach with my students who want to get into network design as well as like, you know, really focusing on what stories they want to tell and how to use stitches to evoke that story or to express that story. Um, so my why hasn't changed. My how hasn't changed. Well, yeah, the how, I mean, through knitting patterns and teaching, that hasn't changed. But now there's definitely a more solid foundation where I can actually start really focusing on growing my business to the next level. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's cool. That's really cool. So at what, at what point did you make the shift from, from basically from designer to um, coach? Um, I think it was about a year or two into my own um, work as a knitwear designer. Um, during that time, I'd been taking lots of other courses and programs from other entrepreneurs and things like that. And there was always that talk of like, you know, to see where the gaps are in the industry. And I did notice, I mean, just thinking for myself, I was like, dang, I really wish I had somebody to teach me how to design a pattern, just receive some support. And yeah. I didn't really see many other coaches. I was like, okay, I guess I'll just do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. It was, 
so that was just pretty much how I started. It's like, uh, and also I did find out really quickly that I, did, I do enjoy teaching. I enjoy interacting with people and just seeing what really makes them spark up and what makes them really light up and, and finding what is their special flavor that they can bring to their work. And then basically what I do is just help them with their structures and I'm seeing things from a new perspective and giving them guidance and mentoring. Okay. Okay. So this is, this is going to be interesting because if we talk about mindset, cause like, I want to talk about like, obviously like the stuff that you may have dealt with, but then also too, like some of the stuff that you see as a coach, cause I think that's also a really interesting perspective. Um, so we'll start, which one do we want to start with? No, let's start with what you see as a coach. Let's start with that. And then maybe we can bring it back. Cause, cause we're going to talk more about you in general mm-hmm. throughout the time. So yeah, let's yeah, start yeah. With yeah. So what oh. do you see people struggling with when they, when they are either like first coming in or I don't know, they could even be very seasoned. I don't think it matters to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with, I mean, I guess I get a variety of people. Um, I, I mean, some people that I see, you know, it's starting like just understanding the network design process, not showing where to get started. So for me, I found that later, just from my own experiences of working at this new job, it's like, oh yeah, just teaching you the basics of project management when it comes to pattern design that's what it is it's just learning how to implement good project management so you can get from one step to the next that's the whole that's the secret to designing a pattern just knowing proper management skills <laughs> um but then afterwards you know like i had some people who were already comp- like pretty um they they knew how to design patterns they got down that pat it was just more about building their business and you know making a sustainable living like trans- transferring um transitioning from a hobby to a business and I think this is something you probably notice yourself is just like not there's a lot of fear about selling Mm -hmm. about asking for what you're worth and saying like yeah my pattern is listed at this much because I put this much work into it and educating people um the value of the work that we put in there I mean there's definitely it's with the majority of like people in the fiber industry being uh, usually not men yeah. There's a lot of imposter syndrome and being like, oh, I don't want to seem too greedy or I don't want to seem like I'm just in it for the money. And it's just like, I mean, I get it, but also you have to pay your bills. Yeah. Yeah. And all that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is, it's one of those things that's, um, I mean, like, I think we, when we first come into a business, like that is not uncommon at all. And especially because so many of us grew up kind of, you know, you know, don't overstep, you know, don't be braggy you know, stay humble, you know, you don't need to be the center of attention. I don't know how many times I heard that. You don't need to be mm-hmm, the center mm-hmm. of attention. False. Yes, I do. But uh, I think that that all of that, that comes from our parents, from our parents' parents, and then from basically society at large, because I don't know many societies that they're, they think, you know, oh yes, women go for it. You just be you. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) It's like none of them, absolutely none of them. And, uh, I do think too, I don't know. I just feel like maybe because we have a lot of introverts or like self-proclaimed introverts that, that also kind of equates to another element of it, of I need to be not a lot. And I don't want to be a lot. And I think that's, I don't know. I feel like that's a really common theme that I see. Mm-hmm. 
one thing that I had to learn, so, so I'm also an introvert and I often use that to be an excuse of like, oh, I just wanna, you know, be small and stuff like that. No, introversion just means that um, after a certain amount of time being around other people, I need some time to myself to recharge. It's just about recharging. It's not about how shy or uh, talkative you are and all that stuff. It's just like after interacting with people, with extroverts, they they gain their energy from being with other people. Introverts, it's the other way around. Like, I'm pretty sure if you put me in a room of other people, you would think, oh, this uh, Francois is totally an extrovert. I'm like, no, I'm very introvert. I need a lot of time to myself, but that has no bearing on whether or not um, my shyness levels or anything like that, or thinking that I'm taking up too much space or anything like that. Me, I'm getting more comfortable with taking up the space that I'm taking. It's just more around just like these... Um, outside influences telling me that you know you're a woman whatever you should try to make yourself small to make other people comfortable or things like that yeah yeah making other people that comfortable. Little, yeah that's a big one that's a really big one um that I think that was something that uh my dad a couple of years ago he got on my case about it because him and my mom were splitting and I was really anxious about it and trying to avoid conflict because it wasn't going well. Right. As as most splits don't, but, uh, (laughs) I remember he, he got so angry with me. He's like, you can't make everyone feel comfortable all the time. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Of course I can do that. (laughs) I didn't even notice I was doing that. And that is such a huge thing. That is exactly who I am, but oh my gosh, that's, that's rough stuff. Yeah, for me, and also learning how to set boundaries. Like just because there's somebody in your DMs going off at you about something does not mean it's an emergency or that they should be responded to because they are a complete stranger. Yeah. But why should I invest the same amount of energy in somebody I literally do not know and who does not know me as, as like my closest friends? Yeah. Why would I? Why am I giving them the same amount of energy and time as my closest friends? Yeah. Why? Tell me that. (laughs) Actually, can we jump into that really quick? Because I think this is another thing that I see a lot of times is that because we want other people to feel comfortable, right? Like we don't want to like us. Right. And people don't want to push buttons, right? Like there are so many people who talk about, you know, I don't know that I really want to put out a bunch of, um, you know, anti-racist stuff because I don't want people to get like weird. Right. Like, and, and people do genuinely have this concern and it's kind of like, how did, I mean, the first time, or maybe I don't know how many times this happened to you, but like the first time that you received something negative as feedback, what, what was that like? Was that hard or were you pretty resolute? Like, okay, this is garbage. I'm just ignoring it. Um, let me see. I'm gonna, the first thing that's actually coming up to mind is something completely like it's somewhat related, but not really. But like the first time I got a negative feedback on a pattern, like my early, early days, like when somebody said like, hey, there's a mistake here. My reaction was, we got to fix this right away. It's an emergency. You got to get this done now. I'm a terrible person. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. What the hell I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> All that stuff. Now, if I get if I get them like, okay, cool. Let's put it into the to-do list so we can get that tomorrow and stuff like that. Well, you know, um, I guess it's a little bit different, but I just noticed that it's learning like what truly is an emergency, what truly needs to be attended to now. Um, and sometimes some things just need, you just need time to figure things out. That's like um, one thing about social media, everything that's an emergency has to be done right now. It does not allow for people the time to process something. You don't wanna give somebody 
a full meal and expect them to run a marathon right out right after you need to give people some time to digest and i noticed that with social media it just makes everything immediately like right now yeah it has to be done right now or else you know everything's an emergency everything needs to be attended to right now you got to get to this right now oh you would do you were having dinner for an hour why were you having dinner why weren't you like on instagram trying to address the situation it's like come on guys boundaries parasocial <laughs> parasocial relationships yes, like yes. let's um yes you know when when a company does mess up like it should be corrected but to expect them to correct it in an hour or in a day and to do it correctly i wonder if you can do the same thing yeah and i and by you i mean general you're not you no, no 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 i yeah i know what you mean but i i like i wonder do you think it's acceptable in your opinion seeing the situations like because there have been a lot you know we deal with a lot of stuff within the fiber arts industry specifically like people get riled up pretty quickly and a lot of people say either the wrong things or uncomfortable things and there's a lot of expectation from that so is it acceptable to put a placeholder out there. Like, listen, I'm going to address this. I'm just going to take a minute. I'm going to back up. I'm going to reassess and I'm going to come back. Do you think people would respond to that? Or they'd be cranky still. <laughs> people are always going to be cranky. And so no, I'm just thinking, cranky. I'm just going to be like, okay, when it happens to you, I'm going to be one of those people asking for you immediately right now. Mm. I'm just going to be, I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to hold you to the same standard that you're holding to everybody else. So if I'm not seeing it, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm I'm a little. There's some things that I'm just a little like hmm, about, especially after being off Instagram for the past two years and just like taking a step back from social media. Like I can finally breathe and not feel like people are monitoring my every single step. Oh yeah, because I mean, I suppose that comes too with like having had. I mean, you've got a significant following, especially yes. on social media, so that can't lend itself to feeling very relaxed when you're spending time on social media mm -hmm. yeah and also just realizing like i also had to put some boundaries around the things that i show on social media like before i was an open book and now i'm realizing people are actually following me and trying to analyze my personal life by what i'm posting and i'm like okay time to shut that down you are not going to get any more of that i'm sorry yeah. and they don't need to because you know i'm at that level where you know i don't need to be sharing so much personal stuff now no, no. Yeah. You get to a, a point where kind of, I think that the, the brand can speak for itself more than you need to speak on its behalf. Um, yeah. and that's how it is as all companies grow. But I think this is a really interesting point because so much of the business owners that I speak with, you know, it's all a, it's all a goal to get like big following, right? Like I want a big following. I want my shop updates to sell out the minute they hit, you know, like I want, you know, all this stuff that I think will make my life easy. But mm -hmm. I mean, it's so often such a double-edged sword that there are other things behind the scenes that we don't consider. So I've never had a following get anywhere close to yours. So I've not had to deal with any of that yet, but now I don't know if I want to. Maybe I'll just stay tiny forever. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so with the making app that just launched, like I'm like, I was actually really super excited to hop onto that because I'm like, oh sweet, I get to start over again. Mm, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And do you like it on there? Yeah, so so much better than Instagram. Not just because of like the following size, but also just like Instagram has just become so ugh, yeah. over the years, just like I your reels and stories and all that stuff. And whereas make the making app is just like simple. 
post a photo, post some text. Maybe you can even buy a class. You maybe can even zoom by patterns. I'm just like, perfect. <laughs> no having to fight any algorithms and all that stuff. It's just like, thank you. Just yeah, yeah, no, that is that is very true. And I don't, I mean, it's so, it's a little bit too bad that, you know, sometimes Instagram becomes the end all and be all to some people's uh, marketing strategies, which it's not a marketing strategy. It's just a platform. And I think that a lot of the stuff that comes with a platform of that caliber, that brings a lot of mindset issues in general, just as the internet does itself, right? Like, you know, oh, now I have to be kind of exposed. I'm much more open to criticism, which is vulnerability that doesn't feel super comfortable. And then also having the other aspects of it of, oh, I actually have to sit and talk to a screen for the first time that isn't going to talk back or, you know, talk to a microphone that isn't going to talk back. And now I feel like a crazy person. So it's just like, there's all these levels of discomfort and the ante just keeps getting up. It's like, okay, now you have to dance and point and do all these garbage things and make bad jokes about how you have too much yarn. I feel like that's the only reels I ever see. Like, oh, I have so much yarn. It's like, okay, that's okay okay great but don't love knitting reels I really don't they're all the same to me but anyway so yeah so I feel like social media is really toxic for that and I didn't realize that you had actually taken a hiatus from it so how do you feel like that helped mental health wise like infinitely infinitely god (laughs) now okay so here's a question Let's say that you were at a uh, more of a beginner stage, right? Do you feel like it's possible to have structures in place that would help support your business without you having to be wildly dependent on social media? Or do you feel like you kind of need that as a foundation? I'm putting you completely on the spot here. This was not, this is a very big question. Unfortunately, I do feel like there has to be, I mean, to run a business is to be social. Yeah, true. Yes. So. True, yeah. It's yeah. it's just about developing good boundaries and a good relationship. And yeah, it's just about setting boundaries. Mm-hmm. That's what I had to really learn when I was on my head. So really, I had very little boundaries when it came to Instagram before, which is why I had more, like I was just stressed out about it all the time. Now it's like just more in place. Like I don't, you have to like, I'm also like, like for even to comment on my post, you have to be following me. I'm highly, I'm highly considering changing that to be, you have to be following me for a few months before you can even comment. Oh, can you do that? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yep. Or wow. something like that. I mean, just setting down these boundaries and just, you know, um, and also just thinking about the things that I really want to share. Like when it comes to like really personal stuff, it's like, mm, it's really necessary. Cause there's a difference between like vulnerability and then just like sharing everything. Yeah. Yeah. And also been just learning about that too. So yeah. Yeah. So now it's just been really assessing the boundaries that I want to set on social media, setting boundaries in my business, setting boundaries in my relationships and things like that. Yeah. That was been like the main thing over the past couple of years was like learning how to set boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge thing. And I think that, you know, it, it's one of those things that we don't immediately think of doing necessarily because so much is typically expected of people on social media and of businesses. Like people want to know everything. Like they want to know everything and that's all well and good, but 
oh my gosh, it's not healthy for any party to be involved in that kind of <laughs> level of knowledge. Um, okay, so what are what are some of the other things that that you've dealt with kind of mindset wise? I guess, I don't know, has it affected your mindset to, or like impacted it, I guess. I don't want to say affected, but like impacted it in a significant way of, um, basically like really taking ownership of your heritage, right? Like, um, or do you want to share a little bit about that? Um, yeah, I can definitely talk about that. I mean, for me, my knitwear design journey has been very much in line with my journey to reconnecting to my cultural heritage. Um, I grew up in the United States, so already there, like I had a huge disconnect from my mother's people. Um, so when I started designing, I used that as an opportunity to kind of like learn about more where I came from. And for like the first five years or so, that was very much me just trying to figure things out on my own. And I was dealing with a lot of imposter syndrome, but like, am I even just mouthy enough? Um, and all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. But when I was living in Japan, I was able to come across a group um, of other Maori um, who live in Tokyo. And every, like once a month, they'll meet together just to, you know, be together, learn from each other, you know, have some cultural exchange and teach each other. And that's when I, that's when it really, things started to shift for me to be with other, to be around my people essentially. And for them, and to develop relationships with them and mentorships with them um, for me to share my story and also just to hear very similar stories from other people saying like, oh yeah, I'm not the only one who feels that way. That definitely gave me more confidence in saying, yes, I'm Maori. Uh, my background is different. My experiences are different. My perspectives are different and I'm still on this learning journey, but I'm still Maori as yeah. everybody else. Right. Yeah. No, it doesn't change it, does it? And I think that's, that's really interesting. And have you ever, I mean, come up against uh, well have you ever let any of the imposter syndrome kind of like keep you from taking action at all like just in life of just kind of that paralysis in a way uh, there was a time um where it actually affected me deeply to the point where I was severely depressed mm. and not in a really good place mm, I think it was about three years ago or something like that um, but it was, it's, yeah, but it was through community that I was, it was, I was really able to heal and work through that. Um, yeah, it kind of just speaks to how important community, like an actual good community yeah. can do for you. And, you know, there's all, you know, you can do all this healing on yourself, but it's really also with other people that you can really heal. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting that you say that, um, or like really poignant that you say that. Um, because I mean, we're social creatures, as you said, and like selling is social marketing is social business is social. It's all social because we are a social society and we yeah. have social constructs, right? So the community thing I think is really important, especially when it comes to this mindset stuff, because you see a lot and we haven't talked about necessarily like comparison or anything like that. But when you see other people comparing themselves to other business owners or makers or whatever, then they automatically are starting to pit themselves against them and you're creating a barrier, right? And so when you create a barrier, there's no, well, you start to throw up a lot of walls. Like if you get that with, like that with one person, it tends to kind of dominate. Yeah. Um, but I think that shows the importance of really kind of that when they say community over competition, which, you know, like I hate saying that because it's an annoying quote that's everywhere. And I don't think it's like, 
it's not cool to use it anymore. But I mean, it's like a valid statement, right? It's a valid statement is that if you start to view others as your peers and they're not your competitors, then the whole mindset shifts. Yes. And you can kind of actually start to support each other um, and not be alone because feeling lonely is probably yes the worst. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, so in your, in your kind of experience, like you found that, you know, um, like, let's say you were doing everything all over again, (laughs) which sounds like, I bet that sounds miserable thinking about that. But, uh, if you were doing everything all over again, you know, what are some of the things that you, I think boundaries would be one of them that you would kind of start out making sure that you had certain like mindset things in place, like what, I guess, above and beyond boundaries would you say you would utilize? Uh, for mindset or just anything in general? Uh, we can, let's, we can do a combo. I don't care. It's okay. fine. Well, one thing that I would do differently is set some uh, SOPs in place. Some of the systems and operations and oh, yeah, processes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> put that, put that down. Um, uh, but it definitely like for mindset stuff. Um, it was interesting. I guess it was, what was quite interesting was that when I first started, I didn't actually have a lot of mindset hurdles to overcome. It was only within the past few years when some personal stuff happened that all that stuff that I thought that, you know, it's like, oh, I guess I haven't dealt with that with them, you know, having to come over that hit me all at once. Mm, yeah everything just hit me all at once and I really had to work through that and now it's just more of a kind of I'm wondering if I'm even gone too far on the other side I'd be like I just don't care (laughs) you know how people say you know women they're like oh I turned 30 in the 40s and like I thought I didn't care when I was in my 30s now I'm in 40s and I really don't care (laughs) I do care like uh, the thing is like I care very passionately but it's just like okay what am I going to be focusing these energies on yeah I, I cannot care about everything equally it's not sustainable. No, it's not. It's absolutely not. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really interesting. It's just kind of like, what, what level of importance are you going to give to things that, and your brain will trick you, right? Our brains will trick us in saying that this is important (laughs) when it's not. And then I think that's when you need your community to be like, do not be focusing on this. It's absolutely garbage. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I just think that I think it's too, I think it's too bad. I think it's too bad that as not men that we have had to, that we have to struggle so stinking much just to like, feel like it's okay to say, please buy my stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just had the most random thing pop up in my head. I'm going to be really interested just to talk to somebody about this. Recently, I've I've transitioned from monogamy to polyamory. Oh, okay really appreciated because they, they always talk about this all this time and I only recently realized what it really meant it's like you know in mo- monogamy there's such a huge pressure especially when you get married to somebody and this is the person you're going to be with for life and this is like like the pressure to be everything to that person and I realized mm-hmm. I was kind of applying that same principle to my business like I had to be everything yeah. I had to be on top of all the social um, um social causes and things like that I had to be showing up like I had to be everything Whereas in polyamory, I realized, oh yeah, I don't have to be this everything to one person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And then I realized that was the same in my business. It's like, do what is sustainable to me, really think about my energy levels, because now that I'm, I'm dating a whole bunch of people, I cannot give them the same amount of energy. There are going to be some people who I'm closer with that I'm going to invest more time and energy into. And if a new person comes in, I cannot give them the same like energy, devotion, time, and all that as my partners currently are. Now, things could change over the course as, as the relationship grows and stuff like that. But I just realized like, you know, just thinking about like my circle of boundaries, the closer is the closer that people in are closer, uh, the closer people are into the center and the center is me making sure to put myself first, not in like in a selfish way, but like taking care of myself so I can show up properly for everybody else. Yeah. The closer they are, they're into me, the more time and energy that I'm going to devote to them. And depending on how much energy I've got time, uh, time and energy I've got left over, then I can start dispersing it a little bit further and it's kind of like the same thing that I was doing with my I realized the same approach I'm doing with my business the clients um, my clients my customers they're going to come first because you know they obviously paid me so obviously I'm going to prioritize them first versus a stranger in my dms being like why aren't you doing this like when I have the time and the energy I will get to you <laughs> yeah no that's a really interesting point because yeah that is something that uh so I've learned in marriage over the years is yeah it's like um, and I had this conversation in my Instagram stories last week of, you know, is your spouse just like truly your best friend? And a lot of people said yes. And I was like, be honest, like, be honest. Like mine is not, he's not my best friend. I have a best friend. Right. And so mm -hmm. she fills a lot of the needs that he's not going to be able to fill. Um, and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm totally fine with that. I think that's very healthy for us. Um, but yeah, I think that I start to feel like something's wrong with me when everybody else is like, oh, they're my best friend and we are great partners. And I'm going to say this, actually, the reason, so my partner and I, we, tra uh, we transitioned our relationship out of a marriage. And I think the reason was because we are each other's best friend that we did not work as a husband and wife. Oh, that's a really interesting concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and also acknowledging that husband and wife doesn't have to be like the end all be all like it's just it's just a label it's just a title it doesn't yeah. make for me it's just learning like yeah husband's important but so are my best friends and all that stuff and anyway that's a whole other thing that <laughs> <laughs> no that's a really really interesting thing but yeah and I think that I don't know well I think that there's like an expectation that that's exactly what we are supposed to be and I think too especially with like he probably is not going to feel the same pressures of that, that I am, that I need to be everything for him. He's probably not going to feel like he has to be everything for me because I'm the woman in the relationship. And so I've got all this like baggage of, I need to be caring for everybody else and making mm -hmm. sure that I'm filling in all the gaps. Yeah. So that same type of like, like, oh, I have to care for everything was also kind of spilling over to my business, not me setting good boundaries. And so now that I'm kind of centered, so I practice solo polyamory. So that means I have no desire to get married. Don't want to have kids. Don't want to cohabitate. Like my self, uh, like my autonomy and my identity as Francoise, not as the girlfriend, the wife, the, the parent, whatever, um, for me to, in order for me to show up properly and as my best self in my relationships, that I do have to set good boundaries. Yeah. Um, so that way I can take care of myself first. So that way I can show up for others in a real, in as my best self. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really, I mean, we, we neglect ourselves so much that you have to like, you almost have to get to that point, right? You have to get yep. to that point where, okay, now I have to be super boundary because I've gone so overboard mm -hmm. with just allowing myself to do everything. And I think, um, when it comes to, you know, business stuff to, that is also a good point. And I think one of the things that I don't know, if I, 
I think this is a little different than relationships, but I feel also like the, the feeling like we need to be everything to our businesses, like all the elements of our businesses is also a control thing. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to relinquish control. And that I think maybe speaks to what you were saying at the beginning about like, I have to learn to delegate. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's hard. I have to learn to delegate. I have to trust other people to handle things when I'm not around mm. and just be like, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough. I grew up with the phrase, if you want something done right, do it yourself. <laughs> so, yeah. like, no, if well, you want something done right, teach it well. Oh yeah. There you go. That's way better. Give them the, give them the proper training. Let's put that on a graphic and stick yeah. it <laughs> Turn that into the next meme. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I mean, we're kind of rounding on like a reasonable amount of time here. So, I mean, if people want to find you online or find your coaching or see your patterns, where can they do that? So I, you can pretty much find me everywhere under my brand name, Aroha Nits, on Instagram, my website, Ravelry, Payhip, Making. I mean, I just use the same name everywhere. So, <laughs> and also I just find it a little bit funny. So I really haven't done any sort of podcasts or any interviews for quite a while because I was just taking the time to recuperate. So I find it funny that like kind of like my foray back into it is like, Francoise is angry. <laughs> Life has changed. <laughs> boundaries. <laughs> Hey, that's great. Everybody knows what to expect going forward now. So <laughs> you're not the only one who's angry. Trust me. I mean, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of anger out there um, yeah. in today and age. So, but anyway, but it was, it was, it was really fun to have you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. But now I'm just thinking like, what? <laughs> we might, I might ask him to come back. Can we record this again? <laughs> I just, because I, I also just it. it all out. I thought it was really good. Oh, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> if you haven't gotten a chance to read Francoise's email that she sent out today for the community project series, then you can actually go and sign up for the series now at www.anastasiacreates.co slash community project. And the welcome email that you will get will also send you a link to our archives. And so anytime that you join throughout the month of June, you can have access to any past emails. So don't worry, if you haven't missed anything, you're on track to read them all. And please, if you are finding this helpful and you feel you may know another friend or business owner who may benefit from hearing these episodes and reading the emails, please pass the information on to them. And then I will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>